Hello, this is Jeremy Allaire, and welcome to The Money Movement. I'm super, super thrilled to be joined here today with CZ, and looking forward to having a great conversation. Welcome, CZ. Uh, hey, hey, Jeremy. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I want to kind of start maybe stepping back a little bit, and a little bit of this is maybe asking you about some of your own inspirations, and some of this is also relatedly just thinking about your own visions for the future. And I think all of us have our own stories for what we believe, why we're in this industry. I think we all are here because we think there's an opportunity to build a new global financial system, a new economic system, a new way that economic activity in the world can happen. I'd love to hear from you. What do you feel crypto, this broad-based technology, what do you think this is bringing to the world? And how, how is the world going to be different? in the coming years, in the coming decade, as a result of what's happening with crypto? Fundamentally, I think crypto blockchain is a new technology. It's a new technology for a ledger system, for like a trust building. But the first application is really just money, right? So it's like internet can do many different things. But the first application is just for information exchange. So I think with uh, crypto, we can really improve the money that we have. And then by it, when you improve the money, you improve the financial sector, then you improve the fintech, and then you improve every other sector. So I think we have many drawbacks on the current money system that we have. Uh, it's not very easy to do cross-border transactions. It's not very easy to do large transactions, small transactions. So I think for me, like we just want to increase the freedom of that, uh, freedom of money. And while not hopefully not sacrificing like you know compliance, safety, security, ease of use, etc. So that's really like what we try to contribute to. And then we want to provide people access to this new technology, and that's what we try to do. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I think you know when when we got started in this a while ago, this sort of this concept that if you could make it so that money worked the same way that the rest of the internet worked, right? And you could move value in that way. And, and then in, in turn, you can enable that value to be programmed. So programmable money, these ideas that you could actually like rethink the building blocks of, of, of economic activity. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the sort of growth in crypto native corporate forms, crypto native organization forms. And I think one of the things that I'm really excited about is the current global system of economic activity is, you know, in many ways, it's organized around nation state rules and multinational corporate law. <laughs> the essence of it is these, and then all these like siloed financial systems within that. And there's on a public blockchain where you have, you know, the ability to not just the ledger, but the ability to have governance, other things, right? So we're seeing, we're seeing the development of, of new corporate forms. And a lot of these projects, we can call them projects, we can call them DAOs, we can call them whatever we want to call them. A lot of these projects, I think the people who are building them have, are sort of inspired that there's a new way to organize work, a new way to organize capital. And I think many of those projects, they're, you know, I think Binance has played a, a really big role in, in supporting them, right? How do you think about these new organizational forms and how do you see that evolving, uh, you know, five years from now? What does the world look like for how people organize, you know, as I like to say, capital and labor using blockchains? Yeah, yeah. So I think you touched on a, a lot of really interesting concepts or topics, and they're not just concepts now. 
So Binance, when we first started, we started as a decentralized organization and we, we're not fully decentralized. Like we're not a DAO. Yeah. Right? And we're yeah. not like, you know, we don't use the word company. We use the word team because the, even the word company, the word nation, states, those are just concepts made by people. And when you strip away the terminology and you look at how people, how those things actually work, it's just a team of guys who work together and they have an incentive structure that, and they have trust. They believe they do some work for you and they will get paid or they'll get the benefits. They'll get a, a portion of what's promised, whether it's ESOPs or shares, et cetera, or tokens, et cetera. So Binance is a very prime example. When we first started, Binance is probably one of the first startups in terms of a you know, company form that started in 180 different countries and grown simultaneously. Histor and that's thanks to the uh, internet and the blockchain. Both does not yeah. have this concept of borders. When we first started, we we're like a crypto to crypto only exchange. So people deposit via the blockchain, withdraw via the blockchain, and that's it. And so you, we could have like you know uh, hundreds and today thousands of people working all in all different parts of the world. And as long as they have the trust that you know, we have a piece of paper saying, look, this is your employment agreement. This is what you do, and this is how much you get paid, and this is how much shares or ESOPs or whatever or, uh, or tokens you have in the company. And as long as people have that trust, they no longer need a legal piece of paper, etc. You don't have to have a company, an office, a headquarter. Uh, what are, those are things typically associate with a with a company, yeah, or with organizational form. And then we actually work pretty well. And we only became more centralized recently because now when, when we want to touch the traditional financial systems, when we want to integrate with banks and they want, they want to see licenses, they want to see company formations, they want to see financial statements for three years. And when, we're, when we want to apply for licenses, they want to see the headquarters, the company registration. Yeah. And then we have to like centralize and form those things that we didn't really need just from our perspective, but the regulators want, uh, want to see it. So we're forming those things. So today it's totally possible to organize a organizations without the traditional structures. And because now you can pay people using blockchain, you can have contracts, uh, either smart or dumb contracts. Yeah. And then this brings the next step, which, which is like well, any type of organization including nations, uh, states, could be organized this way. You know, those are nations, states, uh, religion, they're all just concepts. They don't exist theoretically in the fiscal form. Even fiscal borders are just people because people put a guard there and people put an immigration office there. So all of those things are man-made stuff, whereas like the fundamental social contracts, yeah. if you live in a yeah. country, you, you're supposed to pay some taxes, you use the public services, yeah. et cetera. So all of those things can be constructed without in a new form now with the blockchain technology. The limitations are limitless. So um, yeah, I can talk about it forever. Yeah, no, this is also for me, uh, like the thing I'm most excited about in, in many ways is I think a, a lot of times when people are thinking about blockchain and they're thinking about crypto, they get very narrowly focused on, oh, this is all about you know Bitcoin or this is all about making payments faster or cheaper or, or whatever. Like when people ask about USDC, it's a lot of times it's like, okay, well, this is like a new payment system. Yes, that's true. But actually... The deeper, the deeper meaning here is that you know th this new public good, this new public infrastructure that's out there, these public chains that provide you know incontrovertible data, computation, and the ability to create mechanisms of governance. They're the building blocks for like economic activity more broadly, and economic activity is just this 
these collections of microeconomic units of organization and then the interactions between those. And I really think of this as like, there are going to be new global, I call them corporate forms. And I, I, I agree with you. I think these words have so much implied meaning. You have to throw them out a little bit. But these, these new organizational forms that are going to move with a lot of velocity, that will be inherently global, that will be able to bring in labor, create output, interact. And, uh, you know, I, my own theory is, you know, five, five years from now, that uh, many of the most, the highest growth organizations in the world are going to be these on-chain organizations. And yet the interface layer between the, the legal system, the regulatory system, that's very real. But I think those problems can be solved. They really can be solved. But, uh, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting. I, I always wonder, like, right now, a lot of DAOs are, you know, they're focused on investing or owning digital content like NFTs or producing protocols, producing software. I'm excited about, you know, labor and capital coming together to actually produce goods. So it'll be interesting to see when, when DAOs start to emerge that actually produce physical goods and find ways to do that. that that'll be, I think, a, a big breakthrough potentially as well. So I, I think like, um, yeah, I know um, for Circle and, and I know increasingly also for Binance, we spend a lot of time educating governments about the technology, about the opportunity. And, you know, I, I know that's something that you, you care a lot about and are, and are investing a lot of energy in. As you travel the world um, and spend time, what are you hearing? I, I'd be interested to hear, what are you hearing and what are you saying? I'll talk what I say first. Um, so I typically, depending on the, on the understanding level of my audience or of the person I'm speaking to, there's a wide range. Some people are still, some people still think like Bitcoin is still only used by drug lords. Yeah. Um, they just misinformed. And some people view this, this is the future technology for money. And this is going to be power of the future of fintech, which is going to be you know, important for every economic sector that, that, that they have. That's the majority of people now. So yeah, it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. And all of them want to have some way of uh, attracting the industry into the local economy, but without causing trouble, without like, you know, pissing off other bigger governments <laughs> viewed as the outlier, et cetera. So th there's, there's always some balances. And uh, also some of the, it's interesting that in places where the traditional financial sectors are very established, like the financial hubs, yeah. they're actually more resistant to, to this change because they need to protect the existing banks, financial institutions, et cetera. Whereas, um, for example, in many countries in Latin America, which I, I was in last month, many of them use the U.S. dollar. They don't have their own currency to protect. They don't have, they have 30% population banked. So they don't really have anything to protect. In some ways, they can do the leapfrogging, right? Yes. They, can, they can say, oh, wow, I, this is a more advanced financial system. This is a more advanced economic engine. This is a more advanced capital market structure. And they look at that and they look at that, the benefits for their society and say, why don't we just go right to that? Yeah. And it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So that's more of the sort of at a high level a strategic sort of a discussion. And then there's usually a more direct discussion. We can just create jobs. Uh, we, can yeah. pay, we can pay taxes. We can bring other crypto players into the local economy. And those are companies that will hire people. That will, and more importantly, that builds the talent pool in the local economy, which will be very beneficial for the future of that economy. And if you look yeah. at the internet, to be very frank with you, today, if you look at the top richest people in the world, the top 10, 
And nine out of the top 10 in the US, eight out of the top 10 are internet companies, you know, the Google, Facebook, Tesla, Amazon. So US have really done well for the internet. And uh, internet is borderless. Uh, A few companies provide the internet infrastructure for all of the world, except China. China have their own thing. Yeah. But in the with the blockchain, I think similar things could happen. A few companies can provide the uh, can provide a lot of the tools people use for the blockchain world, and I think many smart co- countries want to attract those companies. So now there yeah. should be a competition. And uh, but the governments don't want to move uh, first because being a regulator, if you like, if you're only in office for four years, you don't want to deal with all the pressure of other people. So it's a game yeah. of it's a little bit of a game of um, there's a very strong a game of chicken kind of effect. Nobody wants to yeah. move first until somebody moves and then nobody wants to move last. So I was talking with my friend and he says, well, he, he still foresees five to seven years for, for, for countries all around the world to adopt this thing. I'm like, no, you don't understand governments. We don't, like if nobody moved yet, it may take longer than five to 10 years. Um, but yeah. if but now a number of governments have moved, no one wants to be last. So and uh, U.S. or that's that's the executive order like a month ago. You know, Dubai passed crypto laws. Uh, U.K. wants to be a crypto hub now. El Salvador yeah. is like way ahead. So now suddenly, now if you if you're a regulator and a government that says we want to adapt crypto, you no longer have that risk. You no your neck is not out right. there, right? Like uh, everyone else is doing. You want to be last. Yeah, it's like this, the, sig- the signaling is starting to be, uh, this isn't just all about like regulatory or risk, right? This is now about opportunity. And, uh, and, and you know, like you said, the, the White House uh, is a great example of, of that. I, I have put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into Washington, D.C. over the years. And it's, it's, I keep telling people like, it's really different, right? Where we were nine years ago and where we are today. And just really the, the openness, I mean, we talk about, you know, there's sort of uh, this, it's not the best analogy, but people talk about a digital currency space race, right? Which is kind of this this idea that nations need to, are in a race to embrace what this is because it's about national economic competitive advantage and things like that. And and we're, we're, we're definitely seeing that. And in some ways, right, governments are starting with things like, okay, how do we understand like a well-run regulated stablecoin that is like a building block for this financial system. So we're seeing a lot of you know, regulatory clarity on those things, which is good. But I, I think one of the things that is, I think, also happening is you know, there is this bigger set of uh, the geopolitical and essentially this kind of sense that there, were, there is a, a change in the geoeconomic structure that's happening. And we're in the middle of that change the outcome and the new order, if there is ultimately a new order, it's not clear yet. And obviously, some of this is, has been brewing for a long time. And you know, in fact, a lot of people who, who got into Bitcoin as well saw this brewing after the financial crisis. Some of this has been brewing with the rise of China for a long time. But now, right, with, with, with the kind of, you call it the new Cold War, this, this new uh, geopolitical situation, right, the geoeconomic order is changing. And everyone seems to see that somehow crypto and digital currency is going to play a big role in that reconfiguration. And even, you know, Secretary Janet Yellen, who gave a speech yesterday and and was talking about this, people are talking about that, which is amazing, right? I used to say things like this like seven, eight years ago at conferences, and I would get booed off the stage because it would be like, no, 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 if the government's involved in this, this is going to be terrible. But this is a sign of maturity, right? 
I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what role can crypto play in actually helping with keeping the world globally integrated? Because that's what's, you know, for me, that's what is motivating is like, how can we have a, a platform, an open common platform in the world that connects people financially and economically? And, and a lot of the narrative on, on the impact of these geopolitical and geoeconomic things is like, there's going to be this power center, this power center. And, and maybe that's true, but like, I'm interested in if you think there's a message to the world for how crypto and blockchain and digital currency can actually be, you know, can keep the world well integrated in a sense. Yeah. So I think this is a very interesting and delicate topic, right? So the world definitely is changing. The world is, the world is breaking apart and there's different factions, et cetera. And then U.S. dollar, so US, every country has a different situation to think about. The money is a very strong tool uh, for governments to you know, influence each other, the geopolitics, et cetera. U.S. dollar is one of those strongest tools that U.S. has. But to be honest, maybe this is why China wants RMB to be the to be the global dominant currency. Every other country uh, may have bigger countries have that uh, have that ambition, which causes friction at certain points. And then um, you have the escalating tension between you know Russia, uh, well now it's a war, uh, Russia Ukraine, and then now sanctions, etc. The world is becoming more divided. And when the world becomes more d- divided, guess what? Uh, people, people, would, people will tend to try to use the currency as a tool to cont- to influence each other, the sanctions, etc. But when you do that a lot, people look for a neutral thing to to, to use, which is cryptocurrency. Yeah. So a cryptocurrency is Bitcoin. It's very neutral. All right, it doesn't have it doesn't belong to any country. Uh, no one can mint more of it. There's no inflation. It's it's the most neutral thing. And then for for businesses that want to do business globally, that doesn't want to get you know get stuck and get the bank accounts frozen by this country, that country, guess what? Uh, use the neutral technology. There's a new technology for money, and then so uh, so that I think uh, will solve a lot of problems uh, for many people. Some people will take a different view. Uh, some countries will view that taking their power away. It does to some extent, but it also offers a better alternative for people to to, to do things in a neutral way. So there's different aspects of it. Uh, U.S., for for example, in particular, have to think about, hey, does this decrease the influence of U.S. dollars globally? Uh, Which it probably does, to be very frank. So U.S. can fight it for a long time. But if you fight, if you keep fighting it and this thing will develop the rest part to the rest of the world, you can protect the U.S. dollars for a longer, slightly longer period of time, but then the rest of the world is going to probably going to move to to crypto, and then later on, uh, you not you not only in the long term you cannot protect U.S. dollars forever, most likely, and then you don't have the future. Of, you don't have the future. And if you look 10, 20 years down the road, if you don't own the future, then that that will be a reorder. Whereas today, if you if you're willing to disrupt yourself, you say, look. Today the disruption is still pretty, still pretty small, and I think uh, Janet Yellen, you know, said it very very well. Let's embrace this technology, and so now we slow we, we disrupt ourselves in a small scale and constantly over time. But then we we have the future. Like twenty years from now, uh, we we uh, U.S. United States pretty much owns the internet today. You could own the the, the blockchain in the future, right? So yeah, that's the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think we've been talking a lot about digital currency dollars obviously that's that's what we do but like i think th- this has now be- become something it's it is it is viewed as wait a minute crypto dollars right are actually like really strategically important and having a a digital currency dollar that 
can scale and operate around the world is becomes a, like a, a strategic a strategic priority. I, you know, I, I actually I had a guest yesterday and uh, and was talking to them, and I'll I'll ask you the same question, which is just imagine you're sitting here and you've got Secretary Yellen and you've got Secretary of State Blinken and National Security Council head Jake Sullivan and uh, Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland. You've got this cabinet of the U.S. And you're sitting with them. And what's your message to them about what this can mean for the United States, but also how Binance can can be an important uh, player in that? Sure. I think the concept is very simple. Let's say, like, you know, we go back 50 years or 100 years, you have the best army in the world. You have the strongest army. And now there's, you know, there's airplanes. Do you invest in airplanes or do you not invest in airplanes? Or do you just want to hold on to the army, right? So you got to invest in airplanes so that, you know, so that the airplanes may make your army quite a bit obsolete. Uh, well, not completely obsolete, but you will, you will have significant dis- disruptions. But you got to have the new technology. So any country, any state, any economy that doesn't embrace a new technologies is going to let, be left behind. So when you embrace new technologies, you will have disruptions. And um, so you will, you will cause some pain for the existing incumbents. And hopefully those incumbents should embrace new technologies. There's no reason why banks couldn't provide access to cryptocurrencies. There's no reason why bookstores couldn't offer e-commerce, right? So they should have done that. And how do you embrace new technology? As U.S. own the internet, you know, how does the U.S. own the internet? They own the companies that provide the tools for people to use the internet. So U.S. should embrace the companies that provide these tools. Uh, Binance is one of them. So, and Binance is one of the largest players in the in the space. So we would love to, we already have a presence in the U.S. But in the U.S., to be very frank, U.S. have the best banking support for exchange businesses. Now, that's ACH integration. We can deduct money from the user's account every month, which is fantastic. But U.S. is quite cautious on derivative products, interest-generating products, uh, many many newer form of products. I think basically in th- at this stage, the well, you, I think U.S. you care about two two things: anti-money terrorists, right? So anti anti-money laundering, KYC. That's very important for you for the United States. That's clear. And also, let's fight bad players, uh, any scammers, uh, hackers, um, illicit fraud, uh, just any criminal. And we want to protect consumers. Other than that, we should. To the maximum extent, let the industry players develop, have favorable policies that attract in, uh, international players, local players to the industry. I think that's where Binance fit in, right? So that's basically the, it's very simple in concept. In practice, there's a lot of little balances you need to do, which is quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. CZ, um, I, I, we could talk for a long time. These are really enjoyable conversations. And um, I'm really grateful that you could come on and, and have this conversation today. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. I also want to say thank you for all, all you do in the United States. You guys are doing a lot more in pushing the U.S. adoption, and whereas we're doing more on internationally. But hopefully, Binance U.S. will be able to do more in the U.S. going forward as well. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're supportive. Yeah. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you, Susie.